welcome to the second segment of KALA This Week. I'm your host, Bailey Winfrey. This week, we will hear a couple fantastic interviews from both Anna and McKenna. Sierra will have another fantastic recipe for you all. And Ryan is back with all things SAU Sporting. Before we jump into that, though, these are the KALA events coming up this coming week. Saturday, September 24th, Dave Baker will be at the TMB Community Block Party from 1 to 4 p.m., And jumping ahead to next Friday, September 30th, we will be on the Rogo patio on campus for the Sustainability Festival. Now, on to Anna's interview. Hello, KALA listeners. This is Anna Berry with KALA This Week. I'm here today with Aria Fix, a junior at St. Ambrose University who recently started a nonprofit organization, Sport It Forward. To begin, Aria, how about you start by telling us about what Sport It Forward is? Sport It Forward is a nonprofit organization here in the Quad Cities. Basically, all we do is uh, find the gear. It's either donated or we go to Goodwill or DAV and we'll purchase the gear and then we'll find the families that need gear. Either they reach out through sportitforward.com or I go and look for families that need the gear. Now, looking back, how did you first come up with the idea to start your organization? Well, back in June, I started doing soccer lessons over the summer, and I had a family reach out that wanted lessons um, for their beginners. Uh, There's three of children that want to start soccer, and they didn't have the money to sign them up for rec and also find gear. So I found them cleats and shin guards for all three of them, and we sell like cleats for like five bucks. Shin guards are like two, and that was it. And then now they're able to play their first sport. So that's awesome. I know for me, like sports were a big part of my childhood, and I bet they were for you, you too. Me too. Yeah, I had thirteen sports. Wow, so that's awesome. And I love that kids in our community are now being given the opportunity to play different sports and create those lifelong memories because of your organization. So you mentioned that Sport It Forward began in June of 2022. Um, In the few months your organization has been around, what impact has it had in the community? I've noticed a lot of families reaching out wanting gear, and I'll go and I'll find the gear for them um, so the parents or guardians don't have to go looking for it. And I've noticed that when I give the kids their gear, um, I see a bright smile, like they're super excited. Um, The family I was talking about earlier actually – when I gave them their gear, I gave them socks included, so they already had all the gear, and she was, like, so excited. Um, she was really excited to get on the soccer field and meet new people. So, That's amazing that you've made such a great impact in the first few months of your organization. I really admire your dedication to it because I know soccer is a big part of your life. Um, and, yeah, it's a big part of mine, so I'm just so excited that um, Sport It Forward is making a big difference in allowing children to experience athletics in our community. Now, looking to the future, what goals do you have for Sport It Forward? I would love to find more families to give the gear to. My living room is full of all athletic gear, from baseball to wrestling to gymnastics, ballet. Um, we do all sports, so we're looking for those families, including I would love to branch out into more communities around the area. How can listeners today get involved with your organization to help you achieve those goals that you just mentioned? Well, definitely look at my Facebook page. I'm always posting gear on there, including Marketplace. Um, is best, the best place to look for gear if you're looking for gear. Also, feel free to, if you're willing to donate gear, um, is awesome. Um, or even some money to buy more gear is great also. That's amazing. Thank you so much, Aria, for joining me today. 
If you'd like to learn more about Sport It Forward and how you can support the organization, check out sportitforward.com. Once again, thank you all for listening to KALA This Week. It's Anna Berry signing off. Hi, my name is McKenna Burden, and this is KLA This Week. I am here with Isabel Nelson, who is a senior at St. Andrews University, and she has published her first book this last summer. Tell us about it. Hi, so I'm Isabel. Um, this book I wrote with my dad this past year, and it came out in May. Um, it's a lot about this little girl. She's 12 in the beginning, and she turns 13 towards the end of it. But she and her dad go on adventures throughout the book. Um, and along the way, she finds out that she is magical. And she also finds out that her dad knew the whole time that she was going to be magical, but she didn't. So it's kind of her figuring out her way with that and her dad helping her. And then they meet a lot of really cool people and um, fantasy creatures along the way. And then, of course, there has to be some like bad guys going after them. So it's all about that fight and trying to escape from the forces of evil, too. I love that. I really do. So what inspired you and your dad to write this book? So um, when I was younger, every summer and sometimes during the school year, my dad would take me on a week to two week trip all across the United States. So we went from northern Wisconsin, we did Wyoming, we did California, the Florida Keys, um, Nashville a couple times. So all of these different adventures were always kind of... um, educational for me when I was a kid because he didn't want to take me out of school if I wasn't going to learn something also but they were really fun and it was just my dad and I and it kind of solidified our really great friendship that we still have he's my best friend and so that kind of inspired us so every place that we go in the book is somewhere that we went during my childhood and the father-daughter relationship in the book also mirrors my dad and my relationship. That is very very sweet. What is your favorite adventure you've been on? When I was younger, my favorite adventure was when we would go to Madeline Island in northern Wisconsin on Lake Superior. It's part of the Apostle Islands, and we would just explore the whole time. Sometimes we would camp, sometimes we would stay in a rental house or whatever, and sometimes we would book like trips to other islands, which was really cool because you would get on a little boat on the island we were on and go to a different one, or sometimes we would just hike around the island, sometimes we'd go fishing, so that was my favorite when I was little and then um, last spring we went to California and drove from San Diego to San Francisco up the coast and that was one of the coolest things I've ever seen we went to Big Sur and stuff so that was awesome so what was it like writing with your dad publishing it So like I said, my dad and I are best friends, so we didn't have a whole lot of disagreements most of the time, but occasionally there were things that we would run into and we would get frustrated like any father-daughter or friend and other friend would. Um, Namely, we got in a really big fight over the cover of the book, and we're still kind of in that argument because I don't like the one that he picked, and he really likes it, and he pulled the, well, I make the final decision card, which he has never done to me before, so that, I know he really likes it, so I guess I can give him that one, but um, our relationship is very, uh, 
sarcastic both of us are so a lot of the time it's just our banter back and forth and it seems like we're mad at each other but we really aren't it's just our way of showing affection what is the cover of the book can you describe it for us like what do you like about it what you don't like about it what would you improve um so the cover of the book is a sun goddess that he found someone from England who made the cover art and like that's her job is she makes cover art for books namely usually um graphic novels or she does a lot of video game art also so it's kind of in that style and the reason I didn't like I like it, I just don't like it for my book. So um, the reason I don't is because I don't think there should be a person on the cover of the book because there's too many characters in the book that it could get misconstrued as when it's not any of them. Actually, it's just a character that we thought was really cool and we might introduce in another book because it, there's a sequel coming out, but she doesn't mean anything to the book. So it's kind of confusing for readers, but my dad really likes it. So I'll let him have it. Well, that's cool. Do you know what the sequel is going to be about? Or, like, have you even thought about it? Or have any ideas? So we're two-thirds of the way through the sequel. And in the first book, Annie, who is the main character, um, just finds out that she's magical. So she doesn't really know how her powers work yet. She doesn't know what she's supposed to do. The evil is coming after them, but it hasn't gotten them yet. So in the sequel, it's a lot of her kind of coming into her own. She turns 13, so she's kind of turning into a teenager. She's learning about herself, going through that awkward stage, and now she's magical too. So it's kind of her um, figuring out the ropes of that, and then there's a big battle scene in it where the like mistress of evil comes and so it's a lot of really cool continuation of the story more places that we went when we were, when I was a kid and new characters too so how do you feel about it about being your first book being published uh it's kind of a surreal experience um a lot of people are really excited about it and like obviously I'm really excited about it too but I didn't realize the amount of support that I was going to get for doing this and people thinking about how cool it is. And I feel like people react to it a lot more um, enthusiastically than I thought they were going to, uh, which is really cool and it makes me feel really good. But I also hate doing like self-promotional things. So I'm super uncomfortable all the time when I like do something like this or the book signing last week or anything like that. So um, I like it, but it's a new territory for me, so I'm a little uncomfortable at the same time. So you're a St. Ambrose University senior this year. Do you have any plans afterwards, since like any other career choices that you like to go through? So um, my current plan is to be an English teacher. That's what my degree is in, um, and I student teach in the spring. And I had an internship in that last summer where I taught summer school all summer. Um, but now that the door is kind of opened into the publishing world and the realm of writing, there's a lot of new opportunities that I didn't know existed, especially with English being my double major in addition to secondary ed. So I have a lot of options to consider now, which I did not think about before. So I'm um, look still going to plan on teaching, but I can write on the side if I want. And I write, other than books, I also write poetry. So um, possibly 
making a compilation of poems and turning it into a poetry book is very much on the table right now, which is a really cool thing because I never thought I would do something like that. And because we're writing another book right now, um, that'll be coming out in either the spring or next summer sometime. And then we plan on writing another one after that. Um, if we have enough content and we don't kill each other, you know, how that goes. So um, the possibilities seem endless right now, which is really cool and also terrifying. It is really cool. seems really, really fun experiences experiences and all. Mm -hmm. So how are you balancing writing your second novel and going to school and your student teaching and all the extracurricular activities you do? So, um, as you said, I am very busy, and so a lot of time, I did a lot of work on it over the summer, but now that I'm back in school, it's taken a backseat to most of my studies and my job and student teaching and things like that. So my dad is carrying a lot of the weight right now, which I'm very thankful for, which is great about having a co-author, because they can kind of pick up the slack when you're not able to. And sometimes I feel really guilty about that, but my dad is retired and he loves doing this kind of thing so I don't feel super bad because he actually likes to do it and um, when I need to do things I do it I make time even though it's really hard sometimes but I also have super supportive professors that are always willing to do things for me to help me out and as long as I talk to them about missing a class if I really have to which I don't do often I don't recommend that but um, they're usually really cool about it and super supportive of everything that I've done so far, so I'm very thankful for that. So you and your dad, Michael Nelson, published your first book together, Annie Abbott and the Druid Stones, the Annie Abbott Adventures. Where can you purchase it at? Where can we just find it at? Um, so you can find it on Amazon as either an audiobook or the hard copy, or it can be found at Barnes & Noble or independent bookstores. Um, there's some in the area that have it, and then I also have a bunch of copies, so if you see me on campus or send me an email or something like that, I can get you a copy as well. Thank you very much, Isabel. All right, I love being on here. Let me know if you ever want to do it again. Thank you very much. This is KLA This Week. Hello listeners, we are back with another CC Stress-Free Recipes here on our weekly magazine show with KALA. Today I'm going to teach y'all how to make the best slow cooker barbecue ribs inspired by the Cafe Delights recipe for all good food lovers. They are fall-off-the-bone tender ribs finished off in the oven to create the best barbecue sticky glaze and caramelized edges. In general, there is a four-ingredient marinade to smother on the ribs. You need barbecue sauce, Worcestershire sauce, garlic, and brown sugar. The ribs are smothered in sauce while they are slow cooking and coated in sauce a second time before going under the broiler or grill to create the stickiest glaze while charring the edges. You can also pour the juices from the slow cooker bowl into the remaining sauce to give them even more flavor. Not only is cooking ribs in a slow cooker convenient and simple for college students, but also it can be made year-round through the winter, spring, summer, and fall. Once you have made the four-ingredient marinade by combining all the ingredients together, brush it all over the meat. Now, the cooking time is very important for this recipe because the longer you keep the meat in the slow cooker, then the more meat that will fall off the bone. 
For example, a 7-hour cooking time on low or 3 hours on high will leave the ribs soft, yet they will still stay on the bone. However, a 9-hour cooking time on low and a 5-hour cooking time on high will leave the ribs tender and they will fall off the bone into your hands and melt away like butter. Personally, a 5-hour cooking time on high does the job for me. Now, take your marinated ribs and place them inside of the slow cooker. Pour some more sauce over the ribs so it doesn't stick on the bottom. You can also use cooking spray so it doesn't stick. Let the slow cooker do its job and wait for the desired time. Like I said, 5 hours on high does it for me. Once they are done in the slow cooker, you can grill them with more sauce for 10 more minutes until they are charged on the edges and bubbling. Now, some people recommend removing the membrane from the ribs before cooking so the sauce is better absorbed into the meat. You can do that by sliding a fork underneath the membrane and over a bone. Lift the membrane away off of the bone until it begins to tear and use a paper towel to grab hold of the edge of the membrane and pull it off. That is it. That is how you make the most tender, delicious, and smoky barbecue ribs Thank you so much. Next week, you'll hear more on CC's stress-free recipes. Welcome to the sports segment of KALA This Week. I am Ryan Schistel. In this week's show, we will discuss soccer of both the men's and women's variety. Then we will discuss women's volleyball, followed up by football. So to start, the men's soccer team... Still not quite finding their winning ways as the team has recently tied to St. Xavier by a score of 0-0 and also played against Roosevelt University this past Wednesday. Coming up, the team will also travel to Calumet in Chicago. That game will be played tomorrow at 1.30. And then they will play next Tuesday at Trinity Christian in Palos Heights. Both of those games are extremely important for the Bees to really try to hammer home their winning ways and figure out a way to really get back on track and bounce back into a better record spot than they currently are. Up next, it is women's soccer, and this team has had a pretty good season so far with a current record of 4-2-2 overall and 3-0-1 in the conference. Most recently, the Bees played Roosevelt University here at home or at the St. Vincent's Athletic Complex, and they won this game by a score of 6-1. Scoring was led by Caitlin Brunson, who had a hat-trick of goals all in the first 23 minutes, and then the following three goals were scored by Abigail Hoff in the first half, Taylor DeSplinter in the beginning of the second half, and Margaret Hamilton late in the game in the second half to rally in the six goals. Megan Smith out of Roosevelt was the only goal for the Lakers, and that came in the 25th minute of the first half. In goal for St. Ambrose, like normal, it was number double zero, Rachel Willette. There were five shots on goal against the Bees. Willette gave up one of those goals and saved the rest of the four. She played all 90 minutes of this game and Willette has definitely been a workhorse so far for the women's team but yet another workhorse that is definitely worth mentioning is Taylor DeSplinter who recently won the CCAC's Women's Soccer Player of the Week. Now she wears number 11 on the field 
for the bees, but she is definitely number one on, I guess you could call it the depth chart, if there was such a thing, for soccer, because she has definitely been the leader of the group for the bees. She has numerous goals. The splinter also has quite a few assists to her name, and she's definitely just a leader, and she's definitely able to communicate well with her teammates about who is open and how to take a good timed shot for the Bees, and she is definitely a big part of the success that the Bees have had going so far. Coming up in their next few games for the Bees women's team, like the men's team, they will play tomorrow at 11 a.m. at Calumet in East Chicago Central, or East Chicago. And then next Wednesday, they will play at Trinity Christian at 4 o'clock p.m., at the Schaff Athletic Complex in Palos Heights. After that, the Bees will start October by returning home for two games before hitting the road again. I will have more updates on those scores of those games as they inch closer. Coming up next, it's women's volleyball. And the women's volleyball team currently sits with a record of 11-4 overall and 4-1 and in conference play. The team, most recently, is coming off of a loss in three games to none in the match against Indiana Northwest, the Red Hawks. And the Red Hawks played well, the Bees played well, but Indiana Northwest was able to squeak away with the win. In the first game of the match, Indiana Northwest bested the Bees by a score of 25-23. to They followed up that performance by beating the Bees 25-18, to and then the Bees just couldn't stay alive in the third game of the match, losing to the Red Hawks 25-22 for the Red Hawks sweep. The Red Hawks now also sit at 11-4 overall, but they are 2-2 in conference. The women's volleyball team, yes, they lose their most recent game, but it isn't anything to worry about because they are still hot and they are still making a definite push to be ranked in the NAIA for women's volleyball. I definitely think that the women's team deserves to be ranked, especially considering some of their matches that they've played. They have numerous shutouts, and in within the games of the matches, there have been quite a few dominating wins for the women's volleyball team. Coming up next, the Bees have a long stretch of home games. The soonest home game will be next Tuesday, September 27th at 7 o'clock p.m. at the Lee Loman Arena, where the Bees will play the Eagles of Judson. After that, on October 1st, the Bees have a doubleheader with an 11 a.m. start against Cardinal Stritch and then a 2 o'clock p.m. start against Iowa Wesleyan. Both of those games will be played at the Lee Loman Arena as well. So now the final sport we have to talk about this week would be football, and the football team still finds themselves winless after last week's loss on homecoming to Lawrence Tech. So the team sits at 0-3, still 0-0 in conference play, which you know could be important for the Bees. Conference play opens up after the bye week that the Bees are on this week, but to look at the box score against Lawrence Tech. The Bees lost this game 36-30 despite a nice late push for a comeback that just couldn't be made possible. So after starting out 
losing 14 to nothing, the Bees bounced back and made it 14 to 7. Then the Blue Devils made it 21 to 7 and the Bees answered back making it 21 to 10. That's kind of where things fell apart as the Blue Devils of Lawrence Tag jumped all the way out to a 36 to 10 lead with 12 minutes to play in the game. Then all of a sudden momentum came the Bees way and all of a sudden the Bees found themselves down 36 to 23 with 3 and a half minutes to play. Then 30 seconds later at the 3 minute mark, Yemi Ward had a 57 yard touchdown pass from Tom Casey that had the Bees narrow the gap once again to make it 36 to 30. The Bees then got the ball back with about a minute and a half left, but going 3 and out on incomplete passes broke up the comeback story and the Bees dropped the game. It was a great attempt at a comeback, putting up 20 points in the fourth quarter. The Lawrence Tech defense just able to hold out long enough. Yemi Ward was actually awarded with the MSFA's Midwest League Offensive Player of the Week, and it was definitely deserved. Yemi had quite the game, definitely the star of the game for the Bees. As he just, I don't know, I feel like he could do almost everything right for St. Ambrose. Yemi had four receptions for 155 yards, a long of a 59-yard reception, and he also had three touchdowns to his name. So those are definitely the stats that will earn you the MSFA's Player of the Week on offense. And it's definitely something that, Yemi is going to have to bring with him into next week. The Bees have a bye week this week, like I said, but after that, they hit the road and go to Deerfield, Illinois, where they will take on Trinity International. Trinity International currently has an 0-3 record, just like the Bees, but they have a game this weekend, so I'll have more next week to see if the Bees will play a 1-3 team or if they will play an 0-4 team on the road. After that, the Bees have two straight home games on October 8th at 1 o'clock against Judson and October 15th at 1 o'clock again against Olivet Nazarene. Neither one of those games will be easy, but as those dates near closer, I will have more on those games. And that is all the time we have with you for the sports segment of KALA this week. I'm Ryan Tristel. Don't forget to tune in next week where I will have more Go Bees. Thank you for listening to the second installment of KALA This Week. All content was written and recorded by Anna Berry, McKenna Verdon, Sierra Mari, Ryan Schistel, and Bailey Winfrey. A huge thank you to executive producer Dave Baker, and thank you for listening, and we will be back next Friday at 4 p.m.